0: Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit TrinityChurchLondon.com. I want to read just a very short, short passage, and I really am going to preach from just one word today. So Luke chapter 11, you don't need to really turn there because it is literally a verse and a word. But Luke chapter 11, where Jesus says These words. Well, now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, this is Jesus, to his disciples, when you pray, say, Father, Father, don't come to God as almighty power come to him as father and i want to speak to us about the fatherhood of god i want to speak about the fatherhood of god and what that means for us if we're going to treat him and pray to him as father one pastor uh south african pastor he said this about prayer he said the power of prayer Depends almost entirely upon our appreciation of who it is with whom we speak. There are lots of reasons why we don't pray. We could say we're busy, work, we're distracted, our phone, Instagram, whatever, I'm exhausted. All of those could be true. But there is a deeper, more fundamental reason in that we don't really understand who it is who is asking us to talk to him. And Jesus says, when you pray, say Father. So I want to take a few minutes to talk about the fatherhood of God, and then I want to take a few minutes to talk about us and how we respond to him. I'm, I mean, implicitly, we want to pray. I'm hoping to take some weight off you. That was my experience over the summer. I felt released in prayer. So just, I just, I didn't feel guilty anymore. I'd still love to pray more and go deeper with him, but I don't, I don't feel... It's like amazing. I pray to a Father in heaven. So let me, let me talk about him for a moment. God has existed, as we know, forever and ever and ever, right? He is the most ancient of beings, never created. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we know from the Bible that the Father has always doted on the Son, And that the father, even before he was a creator in Genesis one, even before he was a redeemer, when Christ came, God has first been father. He is known as the father of all creation. So he is a father even before he is almighty God who creates things. He is the father of the son of God whom we now call Jesus Christ. And the father has loved the son with an everlasting delight over his son. The father has continuously and eternally delighted as he has seen the glory of his son and has lavished love and has lavished riches and has sustained his son and has poured forth life into his son and has given him everything and has pointed attention away to his son eternally so. Father, Son and Holy Spirit in this ever erupting community of joy. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And yet when the Father sees us walking around like we do today in London, often feeling, I think, lonely, often feeling slightly abandoned, often wondering like, Am I seen? Am I known? Does my life account for anything? Walking as a scripture to say, like orphans, trying to find somebody or something to love us or appreciate us or to acknowledge us in this world. God sees that and he sees the love that he lavishes on the sun. And he doesn't want to leave us as orphans walking in the wilderness in this world. And so God, the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit make a plan so that he might b- draw back orphans like you and I into the household of God and we might experience the warmth of what it is to be in the father's home and so God builds this plan to see us one back and Jesus Christ comes into this world the son of God to redeem us to make a way back for us orphans lost ones into the household of god and so jesus christ comes and he walks upon the earth and he's still the eternal relationship that he's had with the father just continues ever whenever he walks on the earth He's just father praying to the father listening to the father enjoying the father when his parents lose him he's in the temple right and what does he say like you should know by now like i'm about my father's business I don't know how Mary and Joseph took that twelve-year-old. He come back here, you know, father's business. You, I'm going. But he said, "I'm." It's his father. Even from a young age, he was like communing with his father, and everything that he did was in line with the father's will. And he knew that to see us drawn back into the household of God would mean his own sacrifice, that he would be placed outside of the home that we might have a way in. And so, when Jesus Christ goes to the cross, he experiences all of the sin and loneliness. And and lossness and the sense of abandonment that we sometimes feel even now as Christians sadly he experienced all of that on the cross so jesus when you read the gospels he always talked to god as father except for one moment when he was being crucified he always addressed god as father until that moment where he was laid on a roman cross and he cried out my god my god he still trusted just by his fingernails, trusting in God. But he, in that moment, had lost something of the fathering of his own father so that we might come back home. And the father himself, he loses something of his son in that moment so that he can lavish grace upon us. It's this crazy moment where, in that moment where Jesus Christ is being crucified, he is, as it were, preferring you and I. Sinful, finite creatures preferring us to his son and he leaves his eternal son to be crucified so that we might be welcomed in. Jewish fathers, when their sons or daughters would die early, would often symbolically tear their clothes to let their community know that they are in mourning. And what we find out in the scriptures is in the moment where the son of God was being killed, murdered, that the father himself in heaven, he tears his own robes. Because in the temple, what we find out is that the curtain that separated the presence of God from sinful people was torn from top. To bottom, This was a supernatural tearing that no human being could do. And yet the father tears, as it were, the robes of his presence, declaring my son has been crucified. Why? So that he could welcome you and I back. It's an incredible sacrifice that God makes. How much does he love us? What have we added to the household of God that we could be welcomed in? What have we given to him that he would say, I will give everything to have you in my home. And yet here we are, the recipients of blessing that we might call God our Father. And so with Jesus Christ, when he suffers, we know as Christians that the cross is not the end. Hallelujah. He was raised from the dead. And there's this amazing moment where Mary goes and she's trying to find Jesus. And in her grief and in her weeping, she can't quite see clearly. And she thinks that the man outside of the tomb where Jesus was laid was one of the gardeners there. And so she goes and she gets into this confusing conversation because she thinks she's talking to this gardener and Jesus is talking to her. It's like, it's me, Mary. And then she realizes and he says to her, do not cling to me for I've not yet ascended to the father. But go and tell my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. He said, he's your father now, Mary. Mary. You can know him as Father. I have done everything. The door has been swung open and it will not be locked again. You can come in and eat at the Father's table. Come and call him Father. And Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send my spirit so that you can receive the spirit of adoption. And so when Jesus goes up to the right hand of the Father, as he promised, he pours out his Holy Spirit at Pentecost so that you and I can call God from our hearts, Abba daddy father there's no formal religion here he's father god to me and with that comes a lot of privileges last night i was reading a a, a sermon on the fatherhood of god by charles spurgeon who was a preacher in the 1800s who preached just down the road in elephant and castle and he said this about the privileges that we have as God's children, he says, I am God's child, and if so, he will clothe me. My shoes shall be iron and brass. Which, maybe in the 1800s, I didn't understand that, but I was like, well, is that a good thing? I'd rather my Nike Airs, yes, thanks. But anyway, he's like, if iron and brass is your thing, but we will be clothed. He will array me with the robe of my Savior's righteousness. For he has said bring forth the best robe and put it on him and he has also said that he will put a crown of pure gold upon my head am I his child then he will feed me my bread shall be given to me and my water shall be sure he that feeds the ravens will never let his children starve and if I be his child then I have a portion in his heart here and I shall have a portion in his house above for if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Are there crowns? They are mine. Are there thrones? Are there dominions? Are there harps, palm branches, white robes? Are there glories that the eye has not seen? All these are mine if I am a child of God. And I thought, yes, and amen. Isn't that good news? We're his children. And I think sometimes we look at God like this. We think, well, God the Father has Jesus here, and then he has us lot over here because jesus is somewhat special right he is the perfect sinless one the eternal son like i might be a son or daughter but jesus has got here first right he he's been around for a long time and so i think some christians live this view that like jesus is like the prefect goody to choose son right he's the good one like he's probably slightly preferred and then there's the rest of us and so when Jesus talks to the Father, he's like, "Yes, my son, tell me everything. I'll give you everything. What do you want?" And then when we come and talk to God, he's like, "What do you want? I haven't heard from you in days. Like, you think you can just ask me for you know help with your presentation, and you want help with your exam now? Like, did you even like thank me for breakfast, or what? You know, you think you can just waltz in here and ask me for? St-? And he, we can think of God like that, right?" But the truth is that we are in Christ. So there is one son, Jesus Christ, who represents us and we are in him. And there is no favoritism between Jesus and you and I. The same access that Jesus has to the father, you and I have. It's exactly the same. God doesn't love Jesus more than he loves you. Just think about that for a minute. That's not like a theological statement that's not true for you. The same emotions that he has towards Jesus Christ, the perfect one, he has towards you. So when Jesus prays, the father bends in and listens. Tell, tell me everything. When you pray, you might have sinned, not talked to him in ages, not opened your Bible, not been to church, not been to community group. You might be struggling and overwhelmed. But the moment as a Christian, as a child of God, that you turn your heart to him and you talk to him, like, yeah, tell me everything. Tell me your heart. I want to know everything. He wants to hear from you. I love hearing the things that are on my children's heart. And I, I, I just even the most superficial things. Yesterday, I was with Kiki in Ryman's. And you know Ryman's, the stationery shop, right? And both Kiki and I decided that it's one of our favorite shops. And so we ended up in Ryman's. And I'd been away for a while. So I was like, you know, I just want to... I, you know, if I could, I would just give her everything. You know, I, I want to give her everything. That she, but one of the things I just love to do is just watching her walking around the shop and finding out the stuff that she's into at the moment. And the, so the thing that she really wanted to find was an envelope uh, sealer. Never heard of one. I googled it, Google hadn't heard of one, but she wanted an envelope sealer. The man in Ryman's didn't know what an envelope sealer was, so we we're all like nonplussed. But anyway, I just loved him. Like, she wanted this thing because she wants to make envelopes and she wants to write to people, and just seeing the things that she's liking and like, I, like, I just loved it. And I loved it when she showed me the things that she wanted. I was like, it just delights my heart. That's God our Father. I was thinking today. The conference we were at was like next to the sea, and I was thinking, I love the sea. Like I was, the sea was really warm there as well. And so I was like, I love being in the sea. And I just suddenly thought, like, it's okay for me to tell God the Father that I love the sea and like being in the sea because He made all that stuff. And if I feel like that about my own kids, you know, stuff that they like, how much more? Like God created these oceans, right? And then for me to say, like, Father, I love, I love this. Like, how much delight would that give that I've, one of his children has told him just something that I'm really like. And sometimes we can get too spiritual, I think. Like, I, I, I cycle often past this Ferrari garage, right? And, and, and uh, you know, like, I like Ferraris, okay? That's my confession, okay? And there are some really nice ones in there. And sometimes when I'm cycling past, I literally like tell God, like, I really like that car. (laughs) It's really nice. I mean, it just looks, like, gorgeous. You know, some of those small, like, they look like, Tori says they look like sweets, like lozenges. And you think you could just, like, I'd love to drive that car. I mean, it would be. I'd get off this bike, jump in there, whatever. But I was like, we can be too super spiritual. I mean, I'm never going to buy a Ferrari. I'm not even sure if someone gave me, I mean, if they gave me a Ferrari, I don't know. But, you know, even that, like, would I keep it? I don't know. But just for God the Father to hear what I like, I think he loves that are you like for like just you love it that's amazing like he's created all of this stuff like the ingenuity and all of these things like he delights to hear from us and this is what i think sometimes we get lost in paul miller he talks about when he talks about us he says we can approach god either with a childlike faith or with a cynical faith and he points out that A lot of us are far more cynical than we actually imagine because I got to the chapter on cynicism and I thought, not me. You know, I'm quite a chipper optimistic guy. I'm not a cynical guy. I I don't do cynicism. And then I started reading the pages of this chapter on cynicism and I thought, oh, my goodness. It it just sideswiped me because Jesus says, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, come like a child you want to be great you want to see breakthrough you want to see gospel advance you want your life to count you want a meaningful deep prayer life come like a child don't be childish but be like a child and he says far too many of us have forfeited the blessings of god our father because we have without even knowing it been sucked into cynicism and our faith is now soaked so much with cynicism that we can't actually approach him like a child because we're just cynical let, let me give you some of the definitions of cynicism can i do that because this helped me all right if this is you don't feel guilt feel helped all right i'm here to help here are some marks of cynicism you know as one who thought i wasn't cynical and then realized i am cynical someone who questions everything Okay, we're going to pray for, for some, you know, going to pray for £300,000. Why, why are we going to do that? That won't happen. How, how are we going to do that? That's a lot of money. Where is it all going? What's happening? Okay, guys, we're going to, we're going to pray for this. And, why? We going to, will it do anything? We prayed for that at the last prayer meeting on the Wednesday night. and we still praying for it? Why are we, why are we going to do that? Questioning. Sometimes we can question so much that we actually keep the kingdom of God at arm's length. There is a way of questioning that says, I want to be in the kingdom of God. I want to be in the spirit of God. I want to be in the river of God. I want to know what he's doing and I want to ask questions so I can go deeper and further into God. And there is a way of asking questions that is always just so you can keep the kingdom of God at arm's length. Just quietly in your mind asking, "Mm, not sure. And we never actually experience the blessings of God, our father. The second thing is this cynicism can explain things. (laughs) Let me read you a quote that I didn't enjoy reading. This is C.S. Lewis. You cannot go on explaining away forever. You will find that you have explained explanation itself. You cannot go on seeing through things forever forever. The whole point of seeing through something is to see something through it. If you see through everything, then everything is transparent. But a wholly transparent world is an invisible world. To see through all things is the same as not to see. And we in the West, we love to explain, right? We know how stuff works. We've got science and wisdom and experience and books. And we are the clever ones. We're not naive. We are smart. And so we can explain how things worked. Well, we prayed for their healing, but they also went to the doctors. Did you know that? And there's medicine and they actually had help. And there are doctors who do that kind of stuff and with time anyway, maybe. And we can explain it and explain it and explain it. We can explain the works of God as as emotionism and, you know, this happened and that happened and it was just like everything came together we explain things so much that we don't actually hold on to God himself thirdly never sure that things will actually change you know we're praying for breakthrough praying for our family praying for our children praying for our friendship praying for our situation and we've experienced so much to think oh, a kind of pessimism can seep into our prayer life laughing at the promises of God. This was Hannah's experience in the Bible. She was getting old and she was promised by God that she would have a child. And her first reaction was to probably roll her eyes and laugh. No, that's not going to happen. Look at me. Cynicism. I read the promises of God and just, no, this this is modern day now. It doesn't work like that. Sure, in the olden days, but we're like sophisticated here in London. You protect yourself from believing God for good things. I don't want to pray anymore for a good thing. I don't want to pray for a blessing. I don't want to pray for a spouse. I don't want to pray for more finance. I don't want to pray for help in this area. I don't want to pray for a breakthrough at work because I prayed and prayed and prayed and it hasn't come about. And so what do we do? We close ourselves up to believing God for good things in our lives. And then we think people who pray for big things are naive. Ever been in a prayer meeting and someone's really going for it and they're praying for like bigger and bigger numbers? I was in one of those prayer meetings last week and even I was like, this guy was praying for this amount of people to be saved and churches and I was like, Really? Are we praying for that? I was like I was like and I was like preaching a sermon on cynicism. You can look down on people like the naive one, look at that one praying for like they don't know how things work. You don't can't see that much happen in one moment. And sure, track record, it hasn't normally happened, but why not pray like that? You look down naive people, like they pray the big prayers. I pray rational, sensible prayers that I think might happen. Cynicism. And why are we cynical? Because we're in England. (laughs) <laughs> Have you ever met someone who is, like, from another nation? I mean, I'm talking about the English here, but English culture. If you've been in England for a while. Like, we are experts at cynicism. If you, I met some Americans this last week, and I was like, oh, my goodness. They are exhausting, right? For a, for, a, for a cynical person, like, cynical culture, like, they are so upbeat and optimistic, and yada, yada, there's something good around the corner coming. And you're like, J- I need, like, a coffee and a nap now, because you're just... <laughs> Like, give me something to gripe about for a bit, then I'll feel more comfortable, right? Because cynicism is the air that we breathe. Like we feel it's like it's part of our job to teach people cynicism. Oh, if there's any naivety that crops up or any optimism or any get up and go, we think, do you know that's not really gonna happen because it doesn't, you know, so many people have tried to do that and you'll think you're gonna do it. And like we actually squash that like optimism, like we're gonna go and do something. Because cynicism is just part of the air in in our culture and and right now it's even more so right there is this like corporate pessimism and cynicism that's like because the political system across the board is like beyond broken and so when any politician says right we can do it or we're going to change things or you're like give me a break right you know like fine like whatever but everyone says the same and we seem to every step forward we take seems to be a step further into brokenness and so it's like cynicism that anything will actually get better anything and that can creep into our souls and creep into our prayer life for some of us why are we cynical because we want to feel smarter than other people because we've got knowledge and we want to feel sophisticated and when you come like a child it can look childish sometimes it can look naive. We can think that people who pray those kind of prayers, well, they've not thought through all the implications. and don't really know how the real word works. No, that person might really know how the real word works. And they are choosing still to believe for God. Andre and Natasha praying still for the gospel to break forth, praying still for church plants, praying still for people to know the love of Jesus. And yet they've had their whole life destroyed twice over. And yet they still come like they're not naive, but they choose to come like a child and pray to God and believe God for good things. And I think lastly and painfully, why cynicism is because we have a list of unanswered prayers in our past. And I think this is maybe one of the things that just sits deep and heavy in our hearts because some of us have prayed for things. Right. We prayed for good things and they have not come. And so having this category of unanswered prayers that can sit there for a while, it it can leave you feeling really uncertain about God. Am I preaching to anyone? It hurts. It hurts to have prayed for years and God seemingly not to have heard you. And so you think, can can I ask that again? I don't want to ask that again. It feels like touching a raw wound. To so have to ask for that again. So we just shut ourselves down. But there is a way forward because Christ has given us his spirit. And so in these last few moments, I want to talk about what childlike faith looks like. OK, and I realize I've gone on. So childlike faith. First thing is this. We just talk to God about everything. Talk to him about everything. It's one of the, the marks of children, right? Before self-awareness kicks in and self-talk and self-reflection and all the other things that come with that, good and negative, what do kids do? They just talk, right? Sometimes too much, but they just chat about everything. They just talk, 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 anything that's on their heart, like the good things, the things that they want, They complain, they don't care, they'll just say whatever's on their heart, there is no filter, there's no second thought, should I say this or should I not say this, they just talk. To their parents right you get them alone in the car or on the bus or whatever and they're like lum, 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 lum. you're like just like all the good things and all the complaints and all the i want this and i want this and will you give me this for christmas and blah 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 there's, there's no second thoughts about it that that's what childlike faith looks like it means to come and just tell god everything i think when you look at adam and eve when they were told that they walked with god every day in the cool of the afternoon i mean like what were they talking about there was no sin to see breakthrough with there was no like confession of anything there was no churches to be started there was no salvation that was needed so what did they talk I think they just talked about life what have you been up to today what have you been doing oh I've discovered this fruit around the corner you know past Eden on the left there and it's like really tasty Eve doesn't like it but I quite like it have we discovered if you do this with it and it's like just chatting about like life stuff that's, stuff that's going on the good stuff and the bad stuff Jeremiah, if you read some of the prayers of the Bible, some of the men and women in the Bible, like they talk to God and us now think, should you really say that to God? They read the Bible and think, can you really say that to God? Jeremiah, right, he gets called by God. And then he finds himself in a difficult situation. And then his whole book is basically him complaining to God. And at one point, he says to God, you tricked me. You put me between a rock and a hard place. Imagine telling God, like, just venting. Say, you tricked me. How can you put me in this position? I think, like, you don't do that, Jeremiah, in a prayer meeting. Like, you give him your best self. You can't tell God, like, but why? Because he's just talking and sharing. If you feel it in your heart, you might as well just tell it him anyway, because he sees and knows all things. Right. He actually loves to know how you're feeling. He's not thrown by it. It's not like Jeremiah, you're making me feel vulnerable here as God. Like I'm not. I'm really not. Like, God that. no, I've got a good plan for you. Don't worry. Come with me. He loves to hear from us. Let me read one more quote. Alan Jacobs, he says this and about just talking to God about everything. And he talks about risking ourselves in prayer. He says, those who will never be fooled can never be delighted because without self forgetfulness, there can be no delight. Those who will never be fooled can never be delighted because without self forgetfulness there can be no delight and how much of our western culture is built around knowing things so that we don't get taken for a mug right i i know things i know how things work so i am not going to be fooled i'm not going to be made to look silly but if we do that we rob ourselves of the opportunity to be thrilled by the work of god in our life It is the decision to be childlike and just to share everything with God, our Father. And the second thing is we believe. We believe God with what he says. When we read promises in the Bible, we don't have to understand them or how they will work out. But childlike faith says, I will choose to believe what you've said here. I mean, even Luke 11, where Jesus says, ask and you will receive i could i could i could rationalize and i could build a theology around why god answers some prayer and doesn't answer some prayer i i don't know but our call is to simply ask and believe i don't understand god and it doesn't feel like you're answering but i'm going to choose to believe your word and what you say here when i read a promise i'm going to believe it i'm going to pray and ask you to do that in my life Micah has a very keen awareness of the things that we say to him, right? And especially when it comes to when he can play his computer. So, if we said you can play your computer after you finish your spaghetti, like he remembers exactly, and he wants times, like to the minute, to the second. I want to know, like, what's the plan here? And as parents, like often, like it's not so important to us, like playing Zelda and beating the Ganon monster, whatever he's trying to do. But to him, it's very important. So like the moments where I might forget a thing and and, and do you know what he says? One of his catchphrases, but you said. But you said You said, he remembers everything. But you said this. And so I have to like, did I say that? Should I have said that? I can't remember. (laughs) Uh, You said. And that's how children come. But you said this. And I'm going to believe every word that you said and so when we read stuff in the bible we can tell god you said this in the bible i was reading a promise in jeremiah jeremiah 32 verse 41 and god says i will delight to do you good and i will plant you in the land in faithfulness he says plant us in the land in faithfulness i was praying for us as a church and i was praying for actually for some of us to be able to buy properties and be planted here and i was like I don't understand that God but I'm going to pray it because you said that you would plant us in the land I don't understand I don't know how it's going to work out but I'm going to say you said this and so I'm going to believe you and ask that you would do it would you plant us in this city where it feels impossible where it's too expensive would you help us buy properties here that we can be salt in this city I'm going to believe you you said it God so with our prayer life in the mornings or on the tube whatever have your Bibles open and say God you're saying here I'm going to choose to believe you Would you do that for me? Amen. And the last thing is this. We just ask. Just ask him. Don't theologize. Don't try and have systematic categories of why or what you should ask or don't ask. Children just ask for anything. Kiki walking around Ryman's. Could I have this? I can't Not that. Could I have this? (laughs) like this dad could I have this you know, I'm, I'm, if I could I would literally I'd just like I'd just take, take my bank account Like go for I wanna but I can't <laughs> just ask that's childlike faith Well, is it like are my motives pure no they're not pure they're never pure don't worry about that what if I ask for that is that a bit selfish maybe but just ask it anyway like God will sort everything out along the journey should I really be asking for that I just ask him for things and you will find that as you treat God as a father and you like a child, He will begin to unfold the way. We're praying for 15 guests at our Christianity Explored course. I mean, time's ticking now. We have five or six, I think, which we praise God for. There's a few more. We're uh, we just asking Him, God, would you do that? I don't know whether it will happen. One of the things I found myself praying when I was away, this conference, They were encouraging us to pray and ask God for our context, our cities and our churches. And I found myself as we're praying, uh, like unplanned, I started praying for us that we as a church would see 100 baptisms at Trinity Church. And I suddenly felt this like little ignition of faith. 100 baptisms. I want to ask you for that, God. And I began asking God, would you allow us to baptise 100 people? I mean... Amen. And I'm asking God. This is not a strategy. This is not a committee thing. This is not like a plan. And what I'm now praying is that if you want to ask with me and as an eldership, we feel like, yes, we want to ask for how how many years will that take? I don't know, but we're going to ask him. This is what we're here for, right? To see the kingdom of God extended people knowing the love of Jesus in their life. We're going to ask. So if, if there is a flicker of faith and if you want to act like a child, would you start asking for 100 baptisms through Trinity Church London? Put it in your journal, put it in your diary, put it somewhere you remind yourself. God, would you do that for us? It's not a prom- promise, not a prophecy. It's an ask. That's what Jesus says here. Ask and you will receive. So we're going to ask him, Lord, would you do something good with us? So... I'm hoping to release some prayer amongst us. Prayer on the tube, prayer on the bus, prayer at home, prayer over meals, faith. And I'm hoping that there might be some repentance and some just washing away of cynicism. I've had to do some repenting. I still catch myself moments of cynicism creeping back into my mind. I say, no, I choose childlike faith. And I would love us to walk like children and see the power of god known amongst us amen Amen.